Take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Just a moment. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 20 through 22 tonight. The title of the message is, When Wisdom Calls. Or if you have a, uh, a, a, a if, if with a, well, you should have a King James Version. If you're here tonight, you probably do. So yours may say, cries or calls, depending on which version you have. But uh, I titled the message with Wisdom Calls. And give me just a moment here. I need to enlarge my font on my phone so I can see it better. There we go. Now I can see. When we think about wisdom, so far we we've, we usually think about our, our responsibility concerning wisdom. What I mean is we think about our responsibility to, to attain it, to seek it, you know, to, as James said, to ask God for it. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So we think about our responsibility, but tonight... We're going to learn that we are not the only ones seeking wisdom. For Solomon says that wisdom is actually seeking us. Isn't that something? Wisdom is seeking us. What a comforting thought when you think about that. Look with me now in verse 20 and we'll see a wonderful characteristic of wisdom. Solomon says, wisdom crieth, or if you have a more modern translation, may say wisdom calls, but wisdom crieth. And in the King James, not, not crying in the sense of crying tears, but crying in the sense of crying out loud. In the olden days, before there was a newspaper, radio, or television, or the internet, there were the good old town criers. Right? You remember those days, Glenda? No, I'm kidding. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding, Glenda. All right. She knew that was coming. There was a good old town crier. And the, the town crier would go out into the streets and ring the bell in the street to get the people's attention. And what would he say? There you go. Hear ye, hear ye. Or listen up, everyone. And, and then he would make the public announcements. And like a town crier, that's the sense of the crying tonight. Solomon says, wisdom cries. The question is, why does wisdom cry? Well, the answer is the book of Genesis tells us that God created man in his own image. And being made in the image of God, man was supposed to represent God here on earth. And for man to represent God's person, he has to have a measure of God's wisdom, right? No fool can represent a wise and all-holy God. So God created man to be wise. Animals don't have wisdom. I mean, not in the, the divine sense that we're talking about. They have, uh, uh, you know, like, like bees, for example, you know. Uh, it's all pre-programmed in. 
I don't think they really think it through so much. It's just encoded in there. It's their, their nature. But wisdom belongs in our hearts as, as men and women of God. Wisdom belongs in our hearts just as much as air belongs in our lungs. You ever thought about that? It belongs there. But when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he, he denied the wisdom of God. He, he pushed it back like something that didn't look good in his sight on the table and said, No thanks. And, and, and ever since then, his offspring have been born void of God's wisdom. Nevertheless, wisdom still belongs in the heart of man. Why? Because God has never abandoned his plan for mankind. That's why we have the gospel. So he can restore man back to God and and then put his plan back into effect. And we will, man will one day represent God on earth again as a whole. In spite of our sin, God's purpose for us to bear His image has not changed. We are born without the wisdom of God, but, but like a man who's been locked out of his house. You remember Fled, uh, Fled, Fred Flintstone? And he would try to put the cat out for the night, and the cat would put him out for the night, and he'd be banging, well, my, Right? That's the way wisdom is. Like a man who's been locked out of his house. Wisdom stands out and it it cries for man to open the door of his heart and let him come in. This should be a great encouragement to us because it means wisdom is available to every member of the human race. Solomon says wisdom cries. In the Hebrew word translated cries, it means to shout. Wisdom doesn't whisper in the ears of the elect. Wisdom shouts to every son of Adam. Solomon says wisdom cries without. Look back in your text. It cries without. Wisdom shouts outside. Where everyone can hear it. Wisdom cries to us in nature. Inviting us to consider and know our Creator. If you would, turn to Psalm chapter 19 real quick. Go back to the center of your Bible and go back and forth to left or right. You'll find Psalms. Psalm chapter 19. Wisdom cries. Wisdom shouts without. Wisdom shouts to the world, to the sons of Adam, outdoors. Where everyone can hear. And in Psalm 19, if you'll look with me now in verse 1 through 3, listen to this. That to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the heavens, take your pens out and underscore the word declare. You could say cry, couldn't you? The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament, underscore the word, showeth, showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. Every single day, the creation is speaking, is crying, inviting man to come and know its creator. Night unto night showeth knowledge. Now look in verse 3. There is no speech 
nor language where their voice is not heard. The heavens declare God's glory. The firmament, that means the the sky, shows God's workmanship. The day utters God's speech. The night shows God's knowledge. David said creation reveals these things in every language in every part of the world. Wisdom cries without. Listen, God didn't hide his creation behind some private wall. Where only a select few could see it. He blasted his handiwork across the sky. Where every person can know and experience it. Now when I'm going to work early in the morning, a lot of times I say, oh Tammy, because well, I'll call her about halfway and we'll talk and we'll pray together on the way to work. And I say sometimes, boy, I wish you could see the sunrise right now. It sure is beautiful. And you look at that sunrise and I don't care how ungodly of a person you are. You see that sunrise in the morning, man, I tell you, it's glorious. It makes even atheists stand in awe and think, wow. But someone who's not a fool, they'll stand and they'll look and they'll say, Somebody did this. Look at the beauty. Look at the creation. Look at the clouds. Look at the blue sky. Look at the powerful sun. Look at our, 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 our uh, night utters the knowledge of God. Look at all the stars up there. Look at the order of creation. The solar system. Our, our revolutions around the sun. Day and a day utters speech. Night shows knowledge. There is no language in this world where the voice of God's creation is not heard. Wisdom cries without. Look back in your text. She uttereth her voice in the streets. Notice the word she. She utters her voice in the streets. I believe Solomon refers to wisdom here as a woman. Number one, because of the beauty of wisdom, as well as wisdom's uh, tendency to nurture and, and have compassion on man. Anyone who receives wisdom, it nurtures and, and raises that man up in, in, in the compassion of the knowledge of God. But I think perhaps most of all, That Solomon is referring to wisdom as a woman here. Crying out in the streets. Because wisdom cries the loudest. Wisdom cries with the most passionate, discernible voice. Through the bride of Jesus Christ. The church. Where did God tell us to go to? To preach the gospel. Out to the highways, the byways, out in the streets, to go into every corner of the earth, as Brother Doug just says, go into all the world. Same place the sun goes, same place the night utters its speech to, is the same place the church has been told to go to. 
And we go and we cry loud in the streets or some of the, our Philippine brethren. I've actually listened to them go out with speakers and cry out in the streets. It's a lot more acceptable there and people will actually listen to them sometimes. I tell you what, if I thought I'd get a crowd of people here in Maybank to sit down and stop listening to the gospel, I think I'd just go out and set it up. Wisdom cries with the most passionate tone to the church, the bride of Christ. Wisdom cries the loudest and the most significant through the preaching of the gospel. And the Bible says that Jesus has been made unto us wisdom. Jesus told his bride again to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So in keeping with God's command, when wisdom cries to the church, she utters her voice in the streets. And what are the streets? The streets are the common places where the public walks and goes about their way. The streets. Man, you go down the street. I get a lot of time commuting in. And sometimes I have luxury vehicles passing me up. They're always passing me. I almost never pass anybody. But sometimes I have luxury vehicles passing me. Sometimes I have pieces of junk passing me. But you know what? It doesn't matter how much money people have. It doesn't, I saw the other day where Arnold Schwarzenegger had an accident in California. How many of y'all saw that on the news? You know what I thought when I saw that on the news? He used to be governor there in California. He's got to use the same streets everybody else does. President of the United States. Don't think they just fly everywhere. They don't. I've been on presidential protection details. I'm sure Brother Shepard probably has too. And they have to get out in the motorcade. And guess where they go in that motorcade? Same streets you and I go up and down. Same ones. Wisdom cries out in the streets, in the common places where all the public goes. And that shows us that even the most common, the most lowly peasant is sought out by the wisdom of God. Remember where the king told the servants to go out in the highways and byways. And who did he say to get? The sick, the lame, the blind, the halt. And compel them to come in. Wisdom doesn't utter her voice in some special venue. Where only the wealthy can afford to to enter and listen to her calls. Wisdom utters it in the streets where everybody travels. Praise God for that. Wisdom is not only available to those of low degree. But wisdom is also necessary to those of high degree. Solomon said, verse 21, wisdom crieth in the chief place of concourse. Not just the streets, but also in the chief place of concourse. Wisdom cries in the streets to the common folks, and that's something we should celebrate. But wisdom cries in the chief place of concourse. So those who are rich, powerful, and filled with earthly wisdom should not celebrate. They should fear Lest being lifted up with their fleshly pride, they may think they don't need the wisdom of God. They don't need to make the mistake of thinking that, for wisdom cries for them too. I guess the the uppity up of the upper crust of society, perhaps some of them could think, well, maybe God doesn't want me. I don't know. But I think the danger would be that they'd be too prideful to think they don't need God. 
the way Jesus talked when he said it was hard for a rich man, you know, to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The chief place, that the word chief in Hebrew, it talks about the top. It literally means the head, the head places. The Jews understand this to mean the, the top of the walls, literally. But anyway, whether, wherever you're thinking, the idea is that wisdom cries both in the low places down on the streets as well as the high places up on the walls. It searches high to low for the people of God, seeking all who will let her dwell in their hearts and minds by faith. Wisdom loves the human race. So she cries for them to reunite them to God and impart His wisdom back in their hearts. She cries for us, look back in your text, in the openings of the gates. Now if you're thinking about Israel, there was only one way to get into Israel and that was through a gate. There were all kinds of gates entering that city, but you had to get through the gate. That's where wisdom cries, the openings of the gates, where every person must pass. There's only one way into the city, and that's through the gates. Through the gates, every person of every age, of every gender, every race, Every social status has to pass through the gates. And that's where wisdom cries. None, therefore, can miss wisdom's cry. Are you getting that? Nobody can miss it. And since nobody can miss it, cries in the gates, that means nobody can be excused for not having it. You follow the logic here? Solomon says, look back in your text, in the city she uttereth her words. And don't miss this. Whose words does she utter? Her words. Wisdom then has a distinct message. You see? Distinct words. She doesn't speak the words of a stranger. Jesus said the voice of a stranger, we won't, his people won't hear. She speaks the words that God has given her to speak. And these words never change because wisdom is an attribute of God. And God never changes. In the city, wisdom cries out her words to mankind. Look back in your text saying, verse 22, how long ye simple ones. Will you love simplicity? Listen to wisdom's message here. Can you picture wisdom out in the streets, in the, in the gates as people enter in and out, standing on the walls, talking up high, going down low in the streets? How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? When we think of the word simple, we usually think of it in a good way, like something easy for us to do, something that's not too complicated. We like keeping things simple, but here the word simple is talking about a shallow-minded or simple-minded person. Simple people don't think too deeply. They don't ponder on the mature and weightier things of life. They're like children who only think of fun and games. Of having a good time while the grown-ups have to shoulder the burdensome matters of life. Simple people live in the moment. And they're not concerned about the future. Simple people act on impulse without considering the long-term consequences. Who's a good example of a simple person? Esau. Esau. 
who swapped his birthright for a quick meal and took no consideration for his future needs. Esau was simple. Who's a simple person? How about Lot? Who looked with his eye and chose to live in Sodom because of how it looked to him. Oh, that's nice. Look at the landscape out there. Like like dangling a shiny trinket in front of a child. Lot just said, oh, and just grabbed it. Grabbed it without considering how it would affect himself. Grabbed it without considering how it would affect his family long term. And the shallow mindedness of Lot, he took the bait without ever considering the hook the bait was dangled on by the devil. He was simple. And the people like Esau who wept sore for his last blessing and people like Lot who lost his loved ones in the destruction of Sodom and quite frankly when you think of his daughters I think it had been better for them to burn up in the fire. But the people like them as well as the people like us wisdom cries out loud saying how long ye simple ones will ye love simplicity? How long will you continue in that which causes you so much grief. How long until you come to your senses and love me instead of your simplicity? How long will you love it? Bert, back in your text, and the scorners delight in their scorning. This is the first time we've seen the word scorner in Proverbs. A scorner in the Bible is someone who ridicules or scoffs at the word of God. If you were to, for example, share a heartfelt comment about the Lord, about the gospel or something, about God's word with a scorner, that scorner would not appreciate your sincerity and concern for their soul. In fact, what the scorner would probably do would be to think that you were stupid and naive for saying it. And they would probably take the opportunity to undermine your words and try to make you feel silly for ever saying them. Y'all ever had anyone do you like that? Boy, I have too. They would use cutting words that made fun of your faith in God and that would demean His holy character. And if they weren't brave enough to mock God openly to your face, they would mock Him in their hearts. A good example of a scorner is found in Matthew chapter 9. When Jesus just walked into a house where a young woman had just died. The family was heartbroken. The house was packed full of mourners. Jesus walked in and moved with compassion as he always was. Jesus told the people in the house in Matthew 9.24. He said, go away. For the girl is not dead but sleeping. Y'all know the story. And the Bible said they laughed him to scorn. They laughed him to scorn. Ha, ha, ha. Now I want you to listen closely. These scorners were mocking what they didn't understand. See, Jesus knew something about that girl, about him, and about the will of God that the people laughing at him did not know. They were scorning 
what they did not understand. They didn't understand the power of God. They didn't understand the love of God. Most importantly, they didn't understand the Son of God and His plan at that time. Their unbelief had impeded their understanding. So instead of rejoicing at the words of Christ, which they did not understand, they mocked them. You ever watched a political debate when a wise politician points out the obvious error of a foolish politician? And when he points out the obvious error, the foolish politician just goes, and <laughs> shakes their head and laughs, trying to, trying to make everyone think that was so dumb that he just said, and I'm so smart I don't even have to respond to it. <laughs> and they just shake their head. Y'all ever seen that before? That's a scorner. That's a modern day secular example of a scorner mocking wisdom. And Solomon said that scorners delight in mocking the wisdom of God. See that in your text? They delight in it. They get their kicks out of making fun of holy things that they do not understand. They're simple minded. So they don't understand. So they mock the things of God they do not know. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 12 says, quote, they, quote, speak evil of the things that they understand not. A scorner will laugh at you trying to make you feel like you're stupid. The fact is they're laughing at deep spiritual things they do not comprehend. But they, it, they do. They, they, it's sport to them. They enjoy trying to make Christians look silly or feel silly. They enjoy making shocking statements to Christians that offend them or that scare them. They like seeing people go, oh, I can't believe you'd say that. Oh, they get their kicks out of that. And Solomon has one question for the people who love their simplicity. Solomon has one question for the scorners who delight in their scorning. And the question is, how long? How long will you continue to love your shallow thinking? How long will you continue to delight in making fun of things that you do not understand? How long do you think you can get by with mocking God? That's a good question for wisdom to ask, isn't it? You know, you have to really think, why is wisdom asking this question? Because it is a logical, reasonable question that when you begin pondering it, brings you to a conclusion that you don't need to miss. How long can you get by with mocking God? Will the scorning that you delight in today, will that scorning still delight you on your deathbed? Will it bring you comfort to mock your Creator? Will your simple-mindedness answer the tough questions in life that you will surely face one day? Will you scorning your Maker... Make you feel more bold when you stand before Him on Judgment Day? And when you do stand before Him, for you will, will you still delight to scorn Him to His face? How long, wisdom asks. How long will you scorners delight in your scorning? Look back in your text. In fools hate knowledge. How long will you fools continue to hate knowledge? Fools hate knowledge. 
Let me give you an example. Let's say a person knows how to swim. Okay? And so a person knows how to swim. And, and, uh, and here's a person over here who does not know how to swim. Two different people. And so this person does not know how to swim. But they do know that one day they will fall into a lake. Let's say that none of y'all know how to swim, but every one of you know that one day you will fall into a lake. Now here's a fool. Fools hate knowledge. They don't know how to swim. And so for a time, that, that person may hate the knowledge of swimming. I don't want to know how to say, I hate, I don't, that's the last thing I want to do. For a time, they may enjoy mocking the people who know how to swim. And they may scorn their advice if the person that knows how to swim says, hey, you guys really should learn how to swim. <laughs> oh, they just shake their head. Just shake their head. Oh, no. Just scorn them. But again, Solomon asked the question, for how long? How long will they hate that knowledge? How long will fools hate it? Will they hate it when they are helplessly sinking down into the lake one day? I mean, just think about it. Fools hate knowledge. They don't know how to swim. One day they do know they will drop into a lake. One day every one of us will die. One of us, every one of us will have to face the question of death And what's on the other side of it? Will they hate it? Will they hate that knowledge when they fall down into the lake and they are helplessly sinking into the water? Doubtless, they would give anything to know how to swim then. Then, they would value that knowledge. But then, it will be too late. So back to the question, how long? Even so, how long will a fool hate the knowledge of God? Speaking of fools in Romans one twenty eight, the Apostle Paul said, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They delight in shutting themselves off from the knowledge of God. But again, for how long, Solomon asked, one day Jesus will tell them, depart from me, I never knew thee. Why? They rejected the knowledge of God, so God rejected the knowledge of them. You did not want to know me, so I never knew you. And in that day, metaphorically speaking, they will sink down into the water of God's judgment because they don't know how to swim. God's judgment like water will rise above their heads, and then they will finally see the value of needing to know Christ in Him crucified. But like the fool falling into the lake, then it will be too late. How long will the Christian delight in knowing Christ? What? You better believe it. That's something wisdom didn't have to ask. How long will the Christian delight in the knowledge of Christ? Forever. How long will the scorner delight in his scorning? How long will the simple ones love their simplicity? 
How long will the sinners hate knowing the Lord Jesus Christ? Here's the answer. Not long. Not for long. They're walking to the lake. They will fall in. What a wonderful question for wisdom to ask. With that, we'll go ahead and close. Man, I like these Proverbs. They're so logical, so wise. Thank you, Father, for giving us the knowledge of our Creator. Jesus said, this is life eternal, that they may know Thee, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. And Father, I thank You that we know You by knowing Your Son. And we will delight in that knowledge forever and ever and ever. And Lord, I pray for these who were mentioned tonight. Those, Father God, who take the sticky tracks and the books or the booklets or the personal one-on-one evangelism that the church is doing, Lord, throughout the week. Lord, I pray for them. I pray, Lord, that they'll consider that question that wisdom asks. How long? How long will this life work for you? How long will your short-term plans delight you? You who are all going to fall into the lake. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to swim to safety. Thank you, Father, for bringing us safely to the shore through faith at the cross of Jesus Christ. In his precious name we pray. Amen.